want to live in your presence every day. I just want you. I just want you. I just want to live in your presence every day. I lay down my will and every second. Every day I lay down my will and every selfish desire, whatever it takes, Father, that's what I'll do, cause I just want you.
Thank you, John Yvette. That was a beautiful song, wasn't it? Can you say that this morning? All I want, Lord, is you. That is a tremendous, tremendous thing that we can do, is to say, Lord, I want you. Shall we just open in prayer? Father, we just are conscious of the fact that this world offers many things to us, but they're temporal things. They're earthly things. They're things that are going to pass away and be destroyed. And Lord, our hope is in heaven, and we have you, Lord, and we want nothing more than you. You're the one that satisfies our hearts. You're the one who saved our souls. You're the one who's going to take us to heaven. And we go to heaven, Lord, we'll see many people, but the one we will really rejoice in most of all will be you, Lord Jesus. We pray that you will now speak to our hearts through your Holy Spirit. Pour out a blessing on each one of us, Lord. Speak to us, touch us, change us today. Please hide me behind the cross and that you will be seen and glorified, Lord Jesus. We pray in your precious name. Amen. You know, Christianity is about seeking Christ. It's about following Christ. It's about living for Christ, and it's about serving Christ always. And the key word to that is always. It's not enough to start off the Christian life well. We've known many people that have made a tremendous start for Christ, but later on in their lives, they've taken a detour somewhere. They've taken an exit. They've got off the right path, and God has to bring them back, has to put them back into his will again. And it's really sad to see that happen, but the Lord wants us to be consistent, to be good finishers, as we've heard this week. Christian life is not a sprint. It's not like a 100-meter dash that can be done in under 10 seconds. It's a marathon that takes over two hours for the best elite runners in the world. And it's amazing that God has us in this race, and he wants us to finish strong. He wants us to face up to the temptations that the devil puts our way and be victorious in our lives. Now, I was thinking about how God allows the devil to tempt us in our hours of weakness, in our adversity, but he also allows him to tempt us in our times of prosperity as well. And I really think that the devil really uses prosperity more than he does adversity to get to us. Because when we've had a success, when we've had a victory, when we've had a blessing in our life, have you ever noticed that the devil is right there to inflate your ego, to get you all proud, thinking that you did it on your own, that you deserved it? And that's the way the devil works. Our topic today is seeking the Lord at all times. Seeking him in times of of adversity as well as prosperity, knowing that we can rely on him for whatever we're going through in our lives. Turn with me this morning, if you would, to the second book of Chronicles, chapter 14. We're going to look at quite a few scriptures, but they're all going to be right there in 1 Chronicles 14, 15, and 16. I've never covered three chapters before. It shouldn't take more than three hours. Just, just kidding, it won't take that long. It'll be a regular length message, but it's on the three chapters because this speaks of King Asa of Judah, and he's mentioned in all three of these chapters in Chronicles. You know, one of the things that's really neat to do sometimes is to do mathematics in the Bible. And what I did is I took his reign. He reigned for 41 years in Judah. And I figured out the years that he lived for the Lord and honored God and served God and relied on him were 
34 years. And in the 35th year, he started to make a turn for the worse. So I thought of it. 88% of his walk was good. How would you like to have a Christian life? 88%. No, that's not good. How would you like to serve the Lord? 88% of the time. No, it's not going to work. How about doing right and pleasing in God's sight? 88%. No. 100% is what the Lord requires and what he wants from us. And so we're going to look at this man's life and we're going to look at three things. Number one, his reliance on God. Number two, his reforms for God. And third, his rebellion against God. You know, Asa was one of the good kings of Judah. And even though he took a bad turn at the end of his life, you'd have to say overall he was a good king because there were very few kings after King David who lived good and right in the sight of the Lord. But Asa was one of them, Hezekiah and Josiah and, and others. There were quite a few in Judah. There were none under the kingdom of Israel at that time. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. But in God's sight, Asa did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And he was a good king. And he was the son of Abijah, it tells us in verse 1 of chapter 14. So Abijah rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. Then Asa, his son, reigned in his place. In his days, the land was quiet for 10 years. I was thinking about how that reminds us of the fact when we get saved, the Lord gives us peace and rest and so many blessings when we first get saved. There's like a honeymoon period. And then after that honeymoon period ends, then the major trials come. Have you ever noticed that? The major trials come. He gives us a time of refreshment to get built up, to get strengthened, to get grounded in the Lord. Then he allows the trials because if the Lord hit us with major trials in the beginning, we would just fall flat down. We wouldn't be able to make it. He knows when to send those trials and he knows when to allow the times of rest and peace in our lives as well. And notice in verses 2 through 5, we see that Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, for he removed the altars of the foreign gods and the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandments. He also removed the high places and the incense altars from the cities of Judah, and the kingdom was quiet under him. He was a man of action. He was a godly man, a godly king, and he directed his life to follow the Lord, to please the Lord, and he directed all the, of his subjects in Judah to do the same thing. He wanted people to honor God, and that's what he did. It reminds me of what Paul said in Acts chapter 24 and verse 16. He says, I strive always to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. And God is looking at our lives, and he wants us to always be relying on him and seeking him because the world has many temptations out there, and he wants us to be consistently walking with him. And you know, it was a very difficult thing what he did. He went and took all the altars of Baal and all these false gods. He destroyed them, and he said that he sought the Lord. In verse 7, he says, For we have sought him, and he has given us rest on every side, so they built and prospered. You know, the Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. You know, so many Christians today are building monuments to themselves. You see it on TV preachers all the time. You see their big churches, the big cars they drive, the homes that they have, and the world scoffs at that, and they say, if they're ministers and men of God, why are they living above the people? 
Why are they living these kind of rich lives where they're taking advantage of people? So it, it brings a scourge on Christianity. The Lord wants us to be his servant, to trust him and rely on him for everything. And he will bless our lives, spiritually first and in every other way as well. You know, in verse 4, it's such a blessing because it says that he lived and obeyed the Lord consistently all his days at this point in his life. And so he did that. And then he also had a strong military. It says he had 580,000 troops, as mentioned in verse 8. 280,000 were from, from uh, Benjamin and 300,000 from Judah. So they had a very strong army. It reminded me of Ronald Reagan when he was president. He said, for us to be strong, we have to have a strong military as a deterrent against the old Soviet Union. And you notice the Soviet Union didn't attack Ronald Reagan. They didn't attack the United States under Ronald Reagan because he presented such a strong front. So what happened to communism is the wall came down. The Berlin Wall came down, and communism crashed down with it because they had a strong military. And so they had everything going well at this point in his life. Spiritually, he was good. Militarily good. Socially, ethically, morally. They were living for the Lord, and they were a blessing. And then the devil brought the big trial. And we see it in verse 9. It says, Then Zerah, the Ethiopian, came out against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots, and he came to Marisah. Can you imagine here these, they, everything is quiet. The land has been quiet for 10 years. They have not had any wars. They've not had to fight, not even lifted up a weapon for that time. They're blessed. They're thankful. And all of a sudden, they look up, and they see an army of 1 million men coming out against them almost twice as many as they had in Judah and Benjamin to fight against them. And so Asa could have chosen many different things to do. He could have consulted his military advisors, chief of staff, and, and the joint chiefs of staff of the military. He didn't do that. Notice what he did in verse 11. Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power, Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you, and in your name we go against this multitude, O Lord. You are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. Just one verse prayer. Just think of it. It wasn't a long prayer, but it was an eloquent, short, brief, but powerful prayer because he's calling on the Lord. He's crying out to the Lord. He knew that they had no power to fight these Ethiopians. Ethiopians were coming down like locusts on them, million men. But he cried out to the Lord. And it says that the Lord answered his prayer and delivered the people from the Ethiopians. I thought of an acronym. I was telling Adel about this one the other day. So I wrote it on an index card and I put it in my car so I could always be reminded of it. And it's the acronym for help. H-E-L-P, his encouraging, limitless.